I met a strange lady, she made me nervous. She took me in and gave me breakfast. And she said, Do you come? Coordinated strike. Welcome to Coordinated Strike. As always, I'm your host, Joe. And that's right, we're talking about the King's Empire, of course, part of which is Australia. So our hat's off to Men at Work for providing that fantastic intro for today. All right, so we're going back at it with the final Allegiant Starter Box uh, Battle Royale talk about with the King's Empire. So we are talking about that box set. We're going to get you excited for it. We're going to talk about the contents of it. And we're going to talk about how it matches up into the other box sets as you play through your first few games against other people's Allegiant starter boxes. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break, and then we'll get into it after a word from our sponsors. Brings the gong and cooey rock. It's going on. It's going on. It's going on. And on and on. It was going on when Granddad was a pup. It makes you want to wrestle with King Kong. It's going on. How 15 million people can't be wrong. Going on. It's going on and on and on. Digimon goes on forever. It's going on. And didgeridoo, Hugh Jackman. Right, right. Crikey. Okay, so we're talking about the King's Empire starter box, and thank you to Vegemite for sponsoring that uh, from their from their archive in 1982. So that's that's exciting. So we are talking King's Empire, and we're talking about the Allegiance starter box. So what comes in the box, you might ask? Well, you've got two units of Royal Rifle Corps. You have a unit of infiltrators, and you have Charles Edmonton, the world-class sniper extraordinaire. So, let's get into the stats of these guys and kind of how they match up with the other box sets, as we've done previously. So we're going to go ahead and start with what you get two of, the mainline infantry in the starter box, the Royal Rifle Corps. These guys are hardcore, pure vengeance coming at you from 22 inches away. They are quite powerful when you look at them. So we're going to go ahead and pull their stats here. And we're going to talk about these phenomenal uh, mainline infantry. Now the core on their non-gloried side have a stat line that goes thusly. They are 9 script, they are speed 7, they have 6 defense, they have 6 willpower, and 7 armor. So again, they have the magic 7 armor number that kind of puts them in the ace range on strength 3. Their defense 6 helps out a bit about keeping that at bay, but they are armor 7, so that is, that is a concern before they glory. And they have together now which is a special ability when this unit receives the focused effort order, it gains two tokens of its choosing instead of just one. So when you declare uh, focused effort, you can gain two tactics tokens, you can gain two reinforcement tokens, uh, you can gain two, two tokens of your choosing instead of just one. 
This also means you can do clever things like getting one reinforcement token and one um, one focused effort, one one inspired token. So that's pretty fun. Um, additionally, they have the CLLE rifle. Uh, it is a six acting value versus defense, 22 inch base range, strength three, and on a crow, it has the frighten trigger, which gives the target a shaken token. And then again on their non-gloried side, they have a morale action, noble procession. This action can only be taken if this fire team is on the opponent's half of the table. Draw a card. If your allegiance is King's Empire, other friendly units with a fire team within three inches of you gain a within three inch aura, a three inch pulse, gain an inspired token. So you can pass out uh, inspiration to other units uh, as long as they are next to these guys as they advance across the board uh, and utilize this action, although you're probably just going to want to shoot with them instead, is a way, uh, if they're not in range of something, oddly enough, to utilize them to make things a little bit better for you on the whole in terms of your shooting. And then when they go to glory, and the way they go to glory is by killing an enemy fire team, they have the king's best men, which is at the start of this unit's activation before it receives an order, and any token effects are applied, it may discard any tokens on itself to move each of its fire teams up to five inches. So that's pretty cool. They have a, a way to get rid of uh, bad tokens on them or good tokens to gain some additional movement prior to uh, them receiving an order as part of an activation. So that is, that's kind of neat uh, on their glory side. Again, on their glory side, speed 7, defense 6, willpower 6, but they go up to the amazing armor 8, uh, which keeps them much safer against average strength 3 shooting uh, and average strength 3 attacks. So you want to get these guys gloried as quickly as possible. Uh, if I didn't mention before, they are three fire teams of three. They are 80 millimeter bases. They have three guys on each fire team, and you get three fire teams to complete the squad. They again on their glory side are going to have together now when this unit receives the focused effort action, focused effort order, it gains two tokens of its choosing instead of just one. Uh, point blank, fire teams in this unit may take a gun action, a, a ranged action, against targets, a missile actions, against targets they are engaged with without penalties. Normally there is a minus two penalty when shooting something that you're engaged with for the King's Empire because of their special rule, uh, which is gunfire. But point blank means that the Royal Rifle Corps and Glory don't suffer that. Um, additionally, the Royal Rifle Corps get quite a bit better at their shooting game when they go to glory, they go up to acting value 7 with a built-in mask uh, versus defense 22-inch range against strength 3. Uh, they retain the frightened trigger, so on a crow, target gains a shaken token. And on a ran or an, on a margin of 5, they gain barrage, which is take this action again. Uh, and they retain noble recession again. This action will be taken if the fire team is on the opponent's half of the table. Draw a card if, if your allegiance is King's Empire. Other friendly units with the fire team within three uh, pulse gain an inspired token so that's pretty cool uh, these guys are phenomenal I, I can't really say enough in the positive direction about this unit uh, for me it is one of the tops available uh, one of the other things that we do need to speak about briefly is the allegiance card for 
the uh, for Abyss for uh, King's Empire. So they have for King and Country, which is how they go to glory. So after an enemy fire team is killed as a result of an action from a King's Empire fire team in this company, the friendly fire team's unit may flip to glory at the end of the activation. British Army. Uh, King's Empire units in this company gain the following trigger to their melee and ranged actions. Uh, Hail of Gunfire on a Mask, uh, which is where the mask built into the King's Empire uh, Royal Rifle Corps comes in. Hail of Gunfire, give the target a pin token. And pin tokens we've talked about uh, are very powerful. They reduce movement they negate uh, the ability to give a unit reinforcement tokens, uh, which keeps them from getting um, uh, models and fire teams back. Uh, so it really helps the damage stick for this faction that really doesn't want to go toe to toe with you in the traditional sense. Uh, they want to shoot you at range, and then they want to close out the game through use of stratagems and trickery to go ahead and manipulate the uh, strategy or manipulate the operation so that they're able to come out ahead so another thing that helps with this is bayonets uh, king's empire fire teams in this company may use their missile actions while engaged as if they were melee actions instead of missile actions with a range of two inches if it does so the action is at minus two av so they have access to their to their their firearms in melee. It goes down to a range two, and they lose two AV off of it. But they are able to do it while engaged. So that does help quite a bit uh, in terms of being able to keep space on the card for other things. Uh, your ranged units aren't utterly useless uh, once you become engaged with the opponent. And again, with a nine-point infantry unit, they, they don't have a natural um, built-in uh, melee attack like the Mahals do. So they get to utilize the bayonets. Uh, when they go to glory, they get to utilize uh, their special rule, which means they're not going to be at that minus 2 AB once they go to glory. And then there's rapid maneuvering, something that is extremely powerful for King's Empire and something that you should be remembering while you're playing them and playing against them which is King's Empire squads, and again, squads only. So Charles can't do this, the King's Hand can't do this, the motorized, uh, the Motor Scout can't do this, but anything that's the squad can. So Infiltrators can do this, Dragoons can do this, Rail Rifle Corps can do this, uh, the, uh, the Grenadiers, uh, the Welsh guys, Welsh Borderers, they can, they can all do this which is King's Empire squads in this company that receive a rush order may discard a card to take a ranged action instead of a melee action. So this is where it gets kind of interesting. You can rush, discard a card, and then shoot. So your threat range becomes insane on Royal Rifle Corps. So Royal Rifle Corps have a natural 22-inch range on their gun. They are speed 7. So if I rush, you can move up to twice your speed. You can move 14 inches, discard a card, and then you're able to shoot 22 inches from the 14 that you've moved. 
So for those counting at home, that's 36 inches of threat with your Royal Rifle Corps for a card. So this is especially important to think about in the box set game. When you're dealing with your Allegiance box set versus another box set, and you are King's Empire, you have the ability to reach out and touch them nearly immediately. Provided that you keep that card in your hand and that you have accessible fire lane. So it's something that you have to think about when you're setting up your troopers and something your opponent has to think about. They may not think in terms of the extremeness of your range until they faced you one or two times. So this is something you can definitely keep in your back pocket and think about when you're facing something like cult, uh, facing something like um, gibbering hordes, even Abyssinia, who you're going to naturally outrange. But this gives you an ability just to reach their far far back assets if they're trying to outspace you with thinking that at 22 inches or at uh, 29 inches with the normal move, they're safe. You've actually got seven additional inches that you can utilize on the table. And that's always a great thing. So now that we've gone over the Allegiance card a bit more, and we've talked about the Royal Rifle Corps, uh, a couple of things I want to talk about a little bit more in depth on the Royal Rifle Corps in context of the Battle Box game, or the Allegiance Box games. You are Defense 6. Defense 6 is huge. Um, let me explain to you why Defense 6 is huge. The only other unit that, uh, only other squad that is going to be Defense 6 in the box sets for everyone to face, naturally, on their base stat card, are the Warped. So we've already seen and talked about how nasty Defense 6 is in comparison to Defense 5. And it all comes down to the average attack stat within the box set. So an Abyssinia, you're looking at 6s on the front card of the two Mahals. You're looking at 5s on the Crows. For the, uh, for the Warped, you're looking at 6s base, and then on the, uh, the stocking portals, you're looking at threes. For the gibbering hordes, you're looking at fives across the board in that box set. And again, in Abyssinia, uh, you're looking at sixes both in melee and ranged in that box set matchup. So you are a point better than most and even to most others from a defensive standpoint and remember the opponent is going to set the number additionally you are going to have the most extreme range available to you of the box sets so you have an ability to play a very different game than your opponents can because your threat can be projected much further and because of together now you have access to more token generation based on a focused effort order than your opponent does. And you can still threat effectively because your opponent has to move into you to threat. Uh, because you threat further than they do just naturally. And that is something you need to be aware of. Your concern, however, is going to be the operation. The operation itself, you cannot lose sight of. You're... If you don't play the scenario from nearly the start, 
you open yourself up to being at a disadvantage and to be to losing that operational game if your opponent does what they're supposed to and focuses on the operation and doesn't bother having to fight your guys because again you're going to be way out there you're going to be shooting at them and if they don't allow you kills you're not going to glory and if you don't glory your units your royal rifle corps while very solid are very susceptible to retaliation once they glory little less receptacle to, to retaliation and again together now also means that you can do things like double reinforcement token yourself so even if your opponent does get a pin token on you no mean feat in a box set game you can negate it and still get a reinforcement token just with a normal focused effort order that's that's pretty strong and that's that's an advantage that you as the king's empire player are going to be utilizing and need to kind of focus on throughout the operations now let's talk briefly about the infiltrators now the infiltrators are a very interesting unit and i think they are critical to your development as a king's empire player and this is where some of the james bond aspect of this allegiance comes into play and your first kind of peek behind the curtain that there is more to this faction than just really amazing shooting. So these guys clock in at 5 script. They are speed 6. They are defense 4, willpower 4. And they are armor 6 base. They are a squad of 3. They are 80mm fire teams. So you get 3 80mm fire teams of 3 guys. And they and you get 3 of those, making for a 3 fire team squad of 3 guys apiece. So 9 wounds total. Uh, they have a special rule called camouflage. This unit may deploy during scouting. So they're going to deploy uh, during the scouting phase when there are any abilities that proc during scouting for your company. Uh, if it does, it may deploy anywhere on the table. That is not in the opponent's deployment zone. So these guys have extreme deployment ability. They can go anywhere that's not in your opponent's deployment zone. They are, however, going to be the first things that go down on the table um, at the same time that markers do. So... The way that it'll work, if you go first, this would go down. These guys would go down at the same time that um, any other abilities of practice would be the times that you would put down. If you're facing cult, they would be putting down their markers at this time. Uh, again, Jibbering Horde, same thing. For Abyssinia, if they've taken mind control, or mind control device, this would be when their minefield would go down. So... That's the same type of time that these guys are going to go down. So they're going to go down just before Titans and just before variable markers uh, go down in terms of when they are placed on the table. So they have pistols. It's a 5 versus defense, 12-inch range, strength to attack. Uh, with a trigger on a tome, lucky shot, this action immediately gains plus 1 strength. Uh, so decent shooting. Uh, strength 2 is nothing to write home about. It can do some damage every now and again. It's probably not going to get you an ace, uh, but it can finish off a, a team every once in a while, and it, it can be annoying, um, particularly if you get the tomes. If you get the tomes, then these guys become a little bit better, uh, and they, they can hit a little bit above their weight uh, from time to time. But they're definitely properly costed at five script, in my opinion, uh, both with their defense being so low 
and uh, their armor being just slightly over the worst armor available uh, in the game thus far, which is uh, strictly on the Stripe Skulkers at five. These guys are sixes, so not great. Uh, they do have a morale action confused, five versus willpower, 18-inch range. Target enemy fire team discards a token of your choice from its unit. Give the target a token of your choice. So these are a very interesting unit in that they can attack um, the willpower of a unit from 18-inch range with the morale action. You can discard a token that is on that, on that unit of your choice, and then you can give the target unit a token of your choice. So you can do things like giving, taking away an inspired token from the opponent and then placing a shaken token on them, or discarding a reinforcement token and putting on a pin. Uh, you know, all kinds of different ways you can sort of mess with the opponent's game. Or in the case that you're facing Cult, you can take away a Shaken token from that opponent and then give them an Inspired token to remove another Shaken token. You know, there are, there's all kinds of ways you can better negate and mess with your opponent with the confusability. It really is something that you need to get on the table and play with a bit to understand exactly how powerful what these guys are doing is. I mean, that's potentially up to three tokens, and you don't have to discard. I'm sorry, you do have to discard, so the target enemy is going to discard a token of your choice from its unit. So if they have a token on them, you have to say that they discard it. Uh, if there's more than one type, you get to choose which type goes. But you can't just target this target a unit with three of the fire teams and get three tokens on them. They're only going to have one after you attack them because they have to discard a token if able. Uh, on the glory side, they become a little more interesting. Uh, not that they weren't interesting already, but they get some more interesting combinations. So... They go up to speed 7, they're still going to be defense 4, still going to be willpower 4, and they're still going to be armor 6. Uh, their pistols remain at acting value 5 with a tome built in, uh, or they gain the tome built in when they go to when they go to glory. Uh, so their strength 2, they have lucky shot built in, uh, so they're going to automatically gain uh, plus 1 strength. And then they also, on a crow, are going to get distracting shot, where you're going to take the confused action, against the same target. Uh, again, Confused Action remains the same, 5 versus Willpower. Target enemy, Fire Team, discards a token of your choice from its unit. Give the target a token of your choice, and then on a Mask, has Deja Vu. So what does Deja Vu do? Deja Vu says, give the target an additional token of the same type. So here you can get multiple tokens on your opponent with the Deja Vu trigger. Pretty powerful, not built in. Have to have a have to have a mask, but if you flip that mask randomly, uh, it's a nice little bit of incentive, particularly if that came off a distracting shot. So there's some ways to to build um, build some advantage for your team as a whole here. Uh, and then they also get place landmines. So place landmines is a six versus a fourteen. And then you're going to create a 120mm hazardous 3 low landmine terrain piece within 2 inches of this fire team, not touching any other fire teams or terrain. And then on a mask, if you do this, you get work on. 
move this fire team up to its speed. So you'd be able to move it up to seven inches away. Um, as long as you didn't have any pin tokens on yourself, the pin's tokens would re reduce your movement in that instance at minus two per pin token. So let's talk about how you're actually going to use these guys. Um, great utilization of these tend to come in how you use them to either block your opponent's advance, uh, threaten the objective as early as possible, focus fire away from your team, screen your own troops, screen your opponent's best unit in terms of movement, and these type of things. And these are all things you can do just by looking at the battlefield and understanding where choke point is, where your opponent is going to have to go because the scenario dictates, or the operation dictates that they're going to have to go there, and then setting up these guys to allow your Royal Rifle Corps to close the deal without major harassment. The infiltrators are probably going to die in a majority of your games. That is totally fine. But they need to be doing something useful before they die. They can put immediate scenario pressure because put immediate put immediate operation pressure on because they're going to deploy during scouting. Any fixed markers are always already going to be down, and once they're deployed, the opponent is going to be able to place their variable marker. But if you deploy them smartly, they should be able to threaten that marker as well or stymie your, your opponent's advance towards your own marker. There's a lot of things you can do with these guys. And I want you to think about just their placement, just how awesome it's going to be to utilize this particular unit. And then if you can get them to glory, they become a control nightmare because they're able to place down very easily, very cheaply, Hazardous Terrain 3 for low. And in, in a Battle Box game, or an Allegiance Box game, everything is going to be subjected to low. You know, it, that covers everything. There's nothing that's Titan size in the Allegiance boxes. So they're automatically hitting, you know, everything with that Hazardous Terrain. They're able to block off an objective a key walkway where, you, where the opponent would need to stand in order to hit your commander effectively. There's just so much that you gain out of this cheap little unit that comes in your box set that you're going to be using for a very long time. And I just want to make sure that people are aware just how fantastic that is. I mean, it's really, really strong. Speaking of strong... I want to talk to you about Charles Edmonton. And I want to go over his stat line, and then I want to go over what he does. And we're going to kind of have a bit of a discussion about him. And then we might have a little side discussion about Margaret Bell and why in additional, one, in, in additional games you may find yourself leaning towards Bell over Charles simply because in a non-allegiance box set system, your Charles's mobility is way more limited than Margaret's. But let's talk about Charles's strengths right now. So Charles is a 25 script commander. He is 2 TA, so he gives you two tactics tokens upon activation. He is speed 6, he is defense 5, willpower 6, and armor 8. So pretty stock standard for commander. He's on a 50 millimeter base. He is a champion and a commander. 
He is he has the Smile Mark III sniper rifle. It's a seven with a built-in RAM versus defense. Twenty inch, twenty-eight inch range, strength two, piercing slightly better. This action does not need to discard a card to shoot into engagement. Awesome. However, if you're in engagement, you guys are not as effective unless they're gloried. So, this is where, again, that synergy with the infiltrators come in. So if your opponent starts to hit on your infiltrators, Charles can start shooting into that melee without needing to discard a card. He has Out of Nowhere, uh, which is on a margin of 3. Trigger, It is a tar the target's going to gain a Shaken token. And then on a ram, he can have this action immediately gain accurate. That's helpful for picking out things like Raving Madmen, uh, Engineers in Abyssinia, Morphlings in Morphlings in uh, what you call it, Morphlings in Gibbering Hordes, and to getting through other champions, Commanders in the box set game. So standing near your troops with Charles in the game doesn't mean anything. He can shoot you, and you cannot shuck those wounds off. You're going to have to start flipping those assets. And as you flip those assets, your commanders become less viable. And in the case of Abyssinia and in the Mirror, they're typically only going to have one upgrade, one asset on them. So flipping an asset and not being able to shuck it to your own guys makes Charles extremely scary. So this is where screening comes in. Charles on a hill is a frightening experience. So there's a lot of power in Charles. Just there. Then we get something utterly amazing for him in the box set. And you see why he is outstanding. Beyond just his own sniper rifle, he has... Morale action, volley fire on my mark. Six versus 11, eight inch range. So he doesn't have to be right by his troops. He has the Unathi eight inch bubble of super fun on a five. Target squad is going to gain an inspired token. Awesome. He's benefiting his troops. One of its fire teams may take a missile action. Okay, so this is where it gets amazing, kids. On your base card, your commander, so you're always going to have a bonus morale action regardless of what uh, order you've given him, you can do volley fire on my mark. And volley fire on my mark does a few things. It's going to give your unit an inspired token. Awesome. It's going to hit fix for you. It's going to give you essentially the ability to negate any cover that the opponent has because cover is minus two and inspired token is plus two. So if you think about it in those terms... Super awesome. He's giving you a free shot. Free shots are amazing, particularly with Royal Rifle Corps. Because that free shot can be 22 inches away. That is an extreme range that your opponent has to deal with, has to think about, and has to account for. And anytime you get free shots in this game, it is a very good thing. Action economy... It is wonderful. His is extreme, and he could do this twice in a turn if he focused efforts or uh, just advances because it's a morale action that doesn't say once per turn. So he can use this as his general action and then do it again 
as a uh, as a as a uh, you know a as his commander action. So a lot there just on his base card. So when he gets to glory, and he should be able to get to glory because one of the things that you do with the King's Empire is very early you begin setting up your army to glory. So it's about setting up a unit to pick off a fire team. So your Royal Rifle Corps should be able to pop a fire team apiece. If you've done it right and you've utilized your cards and your inspired tokens correctly, the third fire team that you kill is probably going to be aced by Charles himself. And Charles is going to be able to wipe the last guy out on that fire team and go to glory. And then once you have that core gloried, you are a very difficult out in the Allegiance box set game. I'm just I'm just telling you that you are. Um, it may take two turns to get those threat package of three things gloried, but as soon as you do, your work becomes a lot easier because when Charles goes to glory, his defense goes up to seven, his speed is six, his willpower is six, and his armor remains at eight. He gets hold steady. Other friendly fire teams within six add plus four to the ranges of their missile actions. So he makes everybody's guns more extreme. So he gives the he gives your opponents royal rifle or he gives your royal rifle corps that are within six of him. The fire teams that are within six of him, plus four to their ranges, so they become 26-inch range. Royal Rifle Corps fire teams. Really extreme, fairly unnecessary. He has the biggest one, and it's okay. I mean, you've got to look at his gun. It's, it's insane. So when he goes to glory, the, the Smile Mark three goes up to acting value 8 from acting value 7. Ram remains built in. First defense, 28-inch range. Strength 2, piercing. Uh, this action does not discard a card to shoot into engagement, which is pretty awesome. Uh, he has, still has the out-of-nowhere trigger on a margin of 3. Target's going to gain a shaking token. Still going to have headshot, which is built in. This action immediately gains accurate. Doesn't have to declare that, but when he wants to, he can. Really powerful, again, to headhunt the opponent. Still has violate fire on my mark. Again, still a 6 versus 11, 8-inch range. Target squad gains an inspired token, and then one of its fire teams may take a missile action. Gains on a crow, weak points. The missile action immediately gains piercing. So you up the firepower of that bonus attack once you go to glory, if you can get a crow on it. Really strong. And he gains a second morale action that he can use. Called Where'd He Go? It's an 8 versus 12, 16 inch range. Place this fire team in base contact with target unengaged friendly fire team. So when he goes to glory, he has the ability to move around the battlefield very rapidly. And this is something that you can surprise your opponent with because they may not have seen this in games that you have played and they may not have read this on his card because. It is a situational ability, but it is a situationally incredibly powerful ability. This is where infiltrators that have moved away or moved slightly back. Charles has moved up. 
And all of a sudden, Charles can be really far away. Really in an interesting position. Getting a random clean shot in our opponent's... Um, you know, on, on the opponent's commander, it's it's pretty strong. The where do you go is something to really think about. And then, if you can get a ram on it, it becomes even crazier because you get to take a, a missile action even if you're engaged. So you can use this to jump to a spot where you have clean line of sight to an opponent. You can take a shot even if you're engaged. And you can drop an opponent's commander, or get that last shot on an, on an opponent's fire team. It really makes Charles dangerous, and it really ups his mobility game. So that's something that you need to think about, and something that you may not have looked at on his card, because it's a really cool, interesting ability that you may never have to use, and when you do, your opponent is going to look at you like you have five heads because of just how strong that ability really is. I mean, let's let's break it down this way. Let's say you have infiltrators that have moved up and they are right by an objective uh, or they're within aid of an objective, something, something like that, something crazy. You could uh, very easily... <laughs> And let's say they're within 16 inches of you. You could do something super fun, like do this ability, place to that infiltrator fire, place to the infiltrating fire team that's unengaged. You can then do an advance, or I mean, you could rush. I mean, you could do this in a rush, where you do this first and then rush. Discard your card, and then shoot for days. Pretty amazing on the whole. It's it's crazy town. Or well, you, I'm sorry, you couldn't do that. You couldn't do that part um, because he's not a squad. And I was very careful to say that you couldn't do that because he's not a squad. So I apologize for what I just said that, that you can't do that. So. But anyway, you can still do some amazing things with Charles, and I really like Charles as a commander. He scares me. Um, he was one of the scariest cats in Playtest for a very long time, and I will always have a special hatred for him because uh, he does bad things to whatever he shoots at, and he always hits above his weight. And I'm never sad to see my opponent not take Charles. So... <laughs> Uh, I think he's a fantastic commander, and I'm glad that he's the box set commander. And I think you will learn a ton about your force with him. Now, when you're looking at what to take in a garrison, my uh, recommendation, especially early in your garrisons, is to have Charles and to have Margaret Bell in your side pocket. And the reason you want Margaret Bell is Margaret Bell is the King's Empire's ace in the hole in two scenarios. Uh, those are or two operations. Those are set traps and supply cache. She really does provide a entirely different level of 
continually game warping speed because of her place ability, uh, which is the shadow magic. So Margaret Bell is speed 8 base, 7 defense, 7 willpower, and armor 8. So a little bit stronger stat line than Charles base and shadow magic, which is the reason that we're going to talk about her quite a bit, uh, which is whenever this unit activates, you can place it within 16 inches of its current position. So she automatically, regardless of what action, what op, what order you give her, is going to have up to 16 inches of, of movement that's not, is just placement. That's huge. That means that she warps scenarios, she becomes incredibly good at set traps, and is really strong into supply cache. So that's where you want to have her as part of a garrison. She's not going to be part of just an allegiance box game because she's not in the allegiance box. But <coughs> she's going to be t a topic for a future show, uh, as is Lord of Steel with uh, Abyssinia. Because though the Earthside factions have a little bit of operational issue into set traps and supply cache. They're not unwittable games, they're not unplayable games, but it really puts a strong bit of emphasis and work required on your infiltrators and on your stratagems that you're taking if you're playing those two scenarios. And it, does, it means you're going to have to do things like utilize Charles' ability of where to go and get him to glory in order to do that. So it changes your your importance of getting Charles to glory um, to very high in those scenarios because that is how, from in an Allegiance box game, you're going to be able to compete and and fight in those. The difficulty is going to come from how you are going to be able to to play against. Um, Factions that are extremely good at those things. So, Cult is going to be a terrifying matchup in set traps. Cult is terrifying for Earthside factions in set traps. This is not a new thing. This is a known thing. It is just something you're going to have to deal with. And how do you deal with that? Well, you're going to use the extremeness of your guns. And you're going to think about the battlefield very differently. So, what is going to be a strong position for you is going to be, one, standing on markers when you're able to, standing on portal markers, so that you limit where the opponent can come out of. Additionally, if there is a hill, hills are life for your game into all of the other box sets for Royal Rifle Corps and for Charles Edmonton. And the reason that is, if you are on a hill, you ignore all low terrain and all low models, which means you can just see virtually everything on a battlefield that doesn't have, uh, that has a, that, you know, you ignore everything that has low associated with it, and you ignore enemy fire teams that are not Titans. That's huge. That means the box set games, you can see quite a bit. Now, things that do not have a height associated with them in terms of low or high, those are still going to block your line of sight if you're on a hill. So that's why forests are important. Those type of that type of terrain is important to deny to your opponent. So the choice of table side actually matters quite a bit. And 
with the deployments on those type of things are all things that you have to take into account when you're fighting these enemies and when you're setting up your board state. Very important to kind of do a battlefield assessment, particularly for <laughs> for King's Empire, because your mobility is okay, but it's not extreme in terms of the things that the other box sets can do into you, uh, with the exception of Abyssinia. Abyssinia is just going to out-armor you. That's, that's how that box set is going to function into you. And that matchup is one that you are actually slightly favored in, because you have the range. You can keep Abyssinia at bay and shoot them. The biggest thing in that matchup is taking out Anathi, because Anathi helps mitigate that with his ability to reinforce um, actively and outside of activation, particularly once he gets to glory. And because Unafi can glory himself if he takes uh, mind field control, mind control field, very easily without having to interact with the opponent, it becomes something you need to make a priority to kill. So Edmonton kind of goes in that matchup on Unathi hunting. Uh, another matchup where it can be fairly critical to go head hunting is into Gibbering Horde. Storm Siren left on her own is terrifying into your army, particularly early because you are armor 7. Uh, that means her hazardous terrain can do horrifying things to your fire teams without their ability to really retaliate. Uh, and if she positions those correctly, it can be it can be a monstrous game for you. Now, if you can get some shots on her and you can start taking taking her out, taking out her her assets, it becomes a bit easier. But now she's going to typically have two on her just because of how the points work out in the box set. Same thing with that Aptos. But in those matchups, it can be absolutely critical to put pressure on him with Edmonton, with the Royal Rifle Corps, if you can get the shots on him. Because he is going to be the focal point of his army's ability to retreat. The army can project threat incredibly well. What makes Colt exceedingly dangerous is their ability to pull back and out of harm's way. If they can't yo-yo, i.e. Adiaptus is under pressure or has been sufficiently weakened, their prospects in the game go down extremely. So Edmonton is your headhunter. That is how you're going to utilize him in a lot of the matchups. The Royal Rifle Corps are your ace in the hole. They are going to be what does the bulk of your damage. They're going to set up your turns. They're going to do a lot of things to pressure the opponent and force the opponent into mistakes. Your infiltrators are your is are actually one of your key units, which is going to sound weird because they're so cheap. But they really set up your Royal Rifle Corps' ability to do what it needs to do. It, you can help dictate what your opponent's choices are by where you place your infiltrators. They can do wonderfully horrible things. And in the cult matchup, they do a great job of just standing on markers. So in that matchup, sometimes it's best 
to actually go second because your opponent's going to have to deploy those markers before they de they that unit is deployed, and then they can just stand on them. It's it's really quite something to watch. Um, I mean, there are a lot of things you can do just positionally with the infiltrators that make it hard on your opponent, particularly in the box set game. So one of the things that you get very good at in toss as you play is understanding threat ranges and understanding projected threat ranges. So let's say we're playing uh, the Operation Scavenge. So Scavenge sets everything up. And again, we're going to be in the Legion's game, so it's going to be on a 4x4. Four four. So in that particular matchup, there's going to be two objectives within 12 inches of the center line. One on each side of the field. So let's say we're playing into Jibbering Hordes. So we're going to have a Storm Siren. We're going to have three Tide Pools, because that's how many Tide Pools are generated when the Storm Siren's in the game. You're going to have two units of Striped Skulkers, and you're going to be facing Kirkano, or Karkanoi. So what are our threat ranges? What do we have to deal with? Well, the opponent is going to have the extreme threat range on her Siren's Call. You're going to have uh, the threat range on the ungloried Striped Skulkers B14 inches, which is 6 times 2 for a rush for their speed. It was 12 inches, plus 2 for their melee range, so 14-inch threat. So not enough to get you on a first-turn charge unless you're lured off of that objective. Um, additionally, you've got the Karkanoi who can get up to 16 inches because they are speed 7 times 2 with a 2-inch reach. So again, uh, 14, 14 total speed on a rush and 2-inch reach, so 16 inches total threat. So as long as you stay out of 16 inches of the opponent, they can't hit you. So what does this mean for, for setting it up with the objectives? Well, you could do something exceedingly clever, like placing two of your fire teams uh, eight inches away from the objective, and then placing your third fire team touching the objective and within eight inches of the other two. This means if you are lured with the Storm Siren, even if she gets a maximum benefit against you, you are likely, with the two fire teams in the back, going to be within a walk of interacting with that objective. And if you get first turn, you can just pop that objective right away and move back. Your opponent's not going to be able to get that objective turn one. It's a similar situation in Pitched Assault. These are all things you can do from a positional standpoint to make your infiltrators exceedingly annoying and, and absolutely vital to what you're doing on the battlefield. So these are the types of things that I want you to think about while you're playing this box set. Additionally, you can do super fun things like rushing on turn one and shooting from 36 inches away. This is what your Royal Rifle Corps can do. It's going to cost you a card.
But if you've got the line of sight, do it. Your guns are strength three, particularly into the Gibbering Horns matchup. It is going to do a lot of good for you <laughs> in a lot of cases. And then you can retreat. You can step back and still shoot them, and they're not going to be in range to do anything to you. You have to use that. You have to use your range as an advantage, and you have to pressure the scenario. You have to pressure the operation, and you have multiple means of doing that. Charles has the ability to provide additional shots. He has the ability, once he's glory, to provide additional range, and he can pressure the opponent's commander like no one else in the game. You have a lot of tools and advantages, and we haven't even talked about your stratagems. The stratagems that you have access to allow you to reactivate units, which include commanders. Once they are from just by flipping them from glory, you have the ability to take over an opponent's fire team. Uh, you have the ability to create an additional marker uh, within the game. You have a lot of options and choices, and you have a lot of strength as a King's Empire player. And so I don't want you to ever, ever hold your head down. Hold your head high, but you're a very proud British citizen uh, or a very proud Australian. So I want to just remind you all that this box set is fantastic. This has been uh, our last box set, our last Allegiance box review until some new Allegiance box sets start dropping. Uh, so I hope you have enjoyed this particular series. We will be doing more uh, coordinated strike with some different topics here shortly. But I did want to just get the Allegiance box sets out, and I hope you enjoy them. And remember, if you have a tactics token, you can make a coordinated strike.